Section three of the Urtonwood Ghost by Eleanor Glynn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two, Part A. Next day was Christmas Eve, and much occupied with all sorts of bygone amusements, in which a Christmas tree for the children figured in the late afternoon. Everyone was particularly gay and cheerful only esther charters felt heavy as lead her dream haunted her it had certainly some meaning it was the second time she had experienced it and the certificate the loss of which might make such a difference to her could quite well look like the parchment on the desk but why there should be any connection with it and this house of which she had never heard until her friends had taken it she could not imagine and if there was some strange thread in it all why should the picture of the ghost be like herself the money she could be deprived of had been algernon's money and had not come to her through her own family at all so it would be more sensible and seemingly in sequence if the ghost looked like him or one of her sisters-in-law but she could not shake off the unaccountable depression she was filled with and she tried to divert herself with mr ambrose duval's inspiriting conversation to the rage of sir george who had left scotland on purpose to be present at this party and press his suit feeling full of hope that she would show him some grace but for some reason all had been at sixes and sevens between them and this hateful foreign man appeared to be the cause towards the end of the day sir george's temper had got the better of him and he had finally gone off and talked to another woman in pique and disgust and so once more the night came and esther was left alone in the cedar room now the conduct of the foreign guest had excited suspicion as well as fury in the breast of sir george and he had watched him unconsciously most of the day the brute had come to urtonwood with some purpose he now felt sure of that such extreme interest in all the rooms and the furniture was overdone if it were really an innocent fancy for old things the library in particular seemed to have attracted him and he even contrived to be shown the famous cedar chamber while he said most insinuating and admiring things to its present occupant they had gone there a company of four or five after lunch old miss harcourt among them torn from her bridge i would not sleep here for the world she said i wonder how you can esther you must have nerves of iron and a conscience of snow-like purity it makes me feel creepy even in broad daylight i am not afraid affirmed mrs charters raising her head from there the group had returned to the library and here mr duval pointed to an old escritoire which stood in one window unused now as a writing-table its surface seemed a good deal warped from the sunlight which had come in upon it probably for many years this could be the one you told us about in your dream 
mr duval said furtively watching her face and esther recognised that it was indeed the same with a sharp thrill but she laughed a little nervously as she evaded a direct reply mr duval was examining it closely passing smooth finely moving fingers over all its sides and top there is probably some secret spring he said it would be amusing if your dream came true and it disclosed the parchment and the drops of blood but for some reason esther did not wish him to find it if there was any spring she would examine it herself another time with ada alone and sir george watching now intently felt all sorts of queer ideas come into his head by the time they said good-night the feeling that there was something going on underneath grew so strong that he determined not to undress or go to bed he is going to have a try at opening that old bureau i'd make any bet he said to himself and i'll balk him if i can and discover what is up so he pretended to be tired and go on to his room when the other men moved to the smoking-room which was in a side wing after the ladies had left but in reality he waited until he thought the butler would have extinguished the lights in the library and the middle part of the house and then he lit his candle and softly crept down and stretched himself upon a sofa rather behind a screen while the dying embers of the fire gave a mysterious glow all over the rest of the room and in the cedar chamber esther tired out and rather saddened at the estrangement which she felt had grown up in the day between herself and her hitherto ardent would-be lover got hastily to bed it was her own fault she knew she had been most capricious and talked far too much to the foreign man whom she realised now she rather disliked underneath she had been foolish and nervous and jumpy to-day and she felt quite ashamed of herself but in a very short time she grew sleepy and all became a blank until with startling vividness for the third time the dream returned again and to it was added a dim figure which seemed to beckon to her and compel her to rise and follow from her warm soft bed it seemed that she crept across the room to a panel beside the fireplace fascinated but without fear following the ghostly shape which when it turned its face looked so strangely like herself and the panel glided back disclosing a dark opening and still she was impelled to enter its black depths and all the while she felt herself descending a narrow stair a dim iridescence seemed like a nimbus to encircle the head of that faint wraith which was leading her on where
meanwhile in the library sir george was almost dozing off to sleep on his sofa in the shadow of the screen the clock had struck two and the fire had burnt so very low that hardly even a glow now illumined the room but a broad shaft of moonlight came in from the top part of the window to which the shutters did not reach it was composed of small panes with a coat of arms emblazoned in the centre and the beams of the moon threw some weird shades upon the floor and upon the old escritoire which happened to stand in its path of light sir george thought to himself that he had after all perhaps been mistaken the foreigner had probably gone to bed with the rest and he too would turn in when just as his meditations reached this far he heard the faintest noise of the door opening and some one with stealthy footsteps cautiously advance up the room he felt rather than saw that it was ambrose duval as he sprang to his feet he was securely hidden in the black shadow of the screen the man went softly to the shutter of the moonlit window and with quiet nervous hands undid its old-fashioned bolt letting in a still broader shaft of light which now allowed every detail of the old bureau to be seen then he came eagerly to its side and sir george held his breath and leaned forward not to miss anything of what might be going to happen mr duval seemed to be feeling the lid which he opened with care and then a search began for the secret spring and once or twice as he looked up as if for inspiration his face seemed like a fiend's in the ashen light at last he appeared to have discovered something a drawer flew open with a jerk and he gave a sharp exclamation of pain some part of the steel spring had evidently wounded his hand but his hesitation was only momentary with frantic eagerness he now drew forth a roll from the secret place it looked to sir george like an old yellow parchment and as ambrose duval bent to scrutinize it with devilish satisfaction upon his face there dropped from the cut on his hand some drops of blood the scene was the exact reproduction of mrs charter's dream End of section three.